you have your Bibles this morning, would you join me in Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter 2. We have been uh, going through this wonderful book thinking about this topic, living with biblical clarity. Living our lives in such a capacity that others can see and tell that we've been with God and our lives are clearly lived by the Judeo-Christian principles and values of the Word of God. Uh, no greater time does that need to be demonstrated than today. Right now we need to be demonstrating in front of a lost and dying world that we are ever-present living with biblical clarity. And the Bible means what the Bible says. And as the Bible means what the Bible says, when we interpret from a literal perspective the word of the living God, we find that it's applicable to our lives as long as we deal with it in dealing with it contextually and letting God work in us what he's wanting to do. God's got a work for you to do. He is not finished with you and he wants to use you for greater things. We've been thinking about in light of this topic living with biblical clarity, how we could take the applicable elements of the book of Acts and flesh out those truths in our lives. And we've looked at the mission of the church. We have stated very plainly, it's clear what our purpose is as Maysville Baptist Church. Loving God, loving others, serving the world. We said that in this purpose statement, it is our goal to fulfill the mission that Jesus Christ has placed upon us. We know that mission to be the Great Commission. And we know that if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, we've got to have a supernatural display in our lives that would give us boldness to take the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. God knew this, and through His Son, Jesus Christ, upon His death, burial, and resurrection, promised to the apostles and the disciples that he would give them a comforter, a helper, if you will. One that would come and dwell inside of them, live inside of them. To give them this holy boldness that they may proclaim the word of God and the wonderful works of God. This same promise that was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 is the same promise that you and I have inside of us. The boldness that we have to communicate the truth of the gospel to a lost and dying world is the same power that dwelled in these believers during this first century church. Brothers and sisters, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And by way of introduction this morning, I want to preach on this topic, the evidence of God's presence. The evidence of God's presence. When you look at this passage of Scripture, there is no doubt that God's presence was with them. When you look at Maysville Baptist Church and you see what God has done through the years, there's no doubt that God's presence is evidence, or there's evidence here in this church, in this congregation. But there's also evidence in individual lives as well. There is evidence that Jesus Christ dwells inside of you. Uh, the Lord changed my opening illustration this morning. I had a complete different direction I wanted to go in, but something has uh, happened at my house that uh, really took me back. It seems that I have a, a water leak in my house, or at my house. 
That's, uh, the good news is it's not in the house. It's outside the house. And the reason why I know that I have a water leak is there's evidence of that water leak in my yard. There is a pool of water in my yard. Uh, it, the ground is wet, soggy, and it looks like a, a small stream is flowing across my driveway. It's very obvious that there's a leak. There must be a pipe in my yard down there below, somewhere underneath the ground, somehow has sprung a leak, and the evidence of that leak is showing itself in my front yard. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you this morning, as a born-again child of God, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you, it will naturally come out of you. And as it comes out of you, people will be able to see and recognize and say, they're different. There is an evidence in their life that God's presence is with them. And there's no greater time that that evidence is more uh, attractive to people than in difficult days or hard days or trying days or, or uh, days when it, it just seems that it's just an ordinary day. But your faithfulness in God shows that you have the possession of God in your life and there's an evidence that naturally flows out of you. That's what we see here in this text. So when you look at this text contextually, you'll see that this is the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover. We know that it is synonymous with uh, the feast that Israel celebrated. I don't have time to go into those seven feasts uh, this morning. But what I would like for us to do is look at this text through the lens of application and see the applicable points that you and I can take, adopt, and then flesh out in our lives so that people can see that we've been with God. So people can see that God's been with us. So that we can share with boldness the greatest news on the planet. And that news is Jesus saves. So if you found your place in the Bible and you're able to stand, would you please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. 13 verses. It begins by saying, and, and by the way, let me say this parenthetically. Remember, 120 people, upper room, waiting, praying, and the Scripture says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, that is perplexed, they couldn't believe it, because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue where we were born? Parthians and Medes. Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia, Judea, 
Kappa POC Adia, ABC Adia, Elementopia. Here, there, yonder, and everywhere. Pontus, Asia, Pamphylia, Pyra, Egypt, and all the parts of Egypt, and Libya about Cyrene, the strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed. And also were in doubt, saying one to another, What mean is this? What does this mean? Others, mocking, said, These men are full of new wine. They ain't nothing but a bunch of drunks. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated uh, this morning. In regard to this issue of the evidence of the presence of God, there's no doubt when you look at this passage of Scripture, you see that there are three things that kind of jump out at us by way of application in the way of God's presence in this time. Let me show them to you if I could. Number one, the first thing I want you to notice here in the text is the faithfulness of the believers. The faithfulness of believers. In verse number one, the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Did you see that there? If you have your pens, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, I would take it out. And there's some key things that I would underline here because you don't want to miss what the Lord's saying in the text. He says, number one, the first thing there was that it was at the day of Pentecost. Again, this word Pentecost means 50. It's 50 days after the Passover. And some scholars have debated on how many days it is in regards to the ascension of Jesus and when Pentecost was to happen. Some scholars say that it's seven days. Others say it was ten days. It really doesn't matter the number of days. What's important is to see that there were days in between. And during those days in between, the, the believers, all 120 of them, are faithful to God. As a matter of fact, when you see their faithfulness, you can divide it up into two categories. Number one, the first thing you see is they were faithful in their activities. They were faithful in their activities. Did you see it? Look at the Bible. Follow along with me. Don't miss this. The Bible says that when Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. That is a passage of Scripture that points us back to chapter 1, verse 14. Look, look and notice it if you would. It says in chapter 1, verse 14, they were all in one accord. You see it there? And what were they doing? They had prayers and they also had supplication. You see that? So he's pointing us back to that to say that the faithfulness of these believers that were in that room, 120 of them are there, they were faithful to God over this 7 to 10 day period, David, and they were faithful in their prayers and in their supplication. Don't, don't forget what we said last week about what prayers meant. Pr prayers meant just talking to God. Just talking to God. That, that, that's, that's what we had just a, a few minutes ago. This dear brother was just talking to the Lord. He was talking to God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is you talking to God. Some people say, I don't know how to pray. I, I need somebody to teach me how to pray. In fact, the disciples even asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. And we find the model prayer that Jesus shared with them in regards to just talking to God. Share your heart with God. Just talk to Him. He wants to hear your voice and be faithful in that. 
What are they praying for? Well, there's where we see the term supplication. That means request. What are the requests that they're they're making known to God? They're asking God, God, send your promise. You promised a comforter. You promised the Holy Spirit. You promised that they would be the one to come after you. And we're asking, will it be today? Will it be today? Can you imagine? After Jesus had told them in the ascension, go to the upper room and wait. And they went to the upper room and waited And day one passed. No promise. Day two passed. No promise. Day three passed. No promise. Yet they never gave up being faithful to the Lord. Here's my question to us. How many times do we give up because we don't get the answer in the first three days? In fact, some of you here today, you've been praying for a miracle your whole life and you still had not seen it yet. And it's discouraging because you feel like you're just going through the motions. I call this the ministry of the mundane. Day after day, week after week, we do the same thing over and over and over and over again. Asking God to do something great yet never seeing it. I imagine that they were the disciples and the apostles were experiencing this. I bet on day four they're looking at each other going, is this it? Is this it? When when is there going to be a breakthrough? When is there going to be a miracle? When is he going to fulfill his promise? He said that he was going to send a comforter. Where is he? Well, bless God, it's only been three days. Yeah, three days he rose up from the dead. Surely three days he's going to give it to us now. No, 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 no. Day four. Day five. Day six. I want you to notice they're faithful in their activity. They never stopped praying. Day after day, their request was true. Their request was sure. God, keep your promise. God, would you keep your promise? God, we're looking for it. God, we're lo- they were faithful in their activity. Watch this, number two. They were also faithful in their attendance. Did you see it there? Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says they were all in one accord in verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1, and also in one place. You see it there? I'd underline that. Why? Because that's showing their attendance. Bless God, how many times we don't get our prayers answered, we stop coming to church. If I, you know, I mean, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we, we, God, you said you were going to, but you're not doing it. And really, really what the problem is, is he's not doing it on our time. We wanted him to do it on our time, and God said no. See, I'm going to let you wait until you realize I'm going to do this on my time. And what I'm trying to teach you in this ministry of the mundane is, are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be faithful to me in your activities? Are you going to be faithful in your your attendance? Are you going to hang in there and keep being a blessing when you don't feel like being a blessing? Are you going to keep praying when you don't feel like praying? Are you going to be God's man, God's woman that's going to stand in the gap? And even though it don't make sense to you, the promise said he's going to keep his word and you're going to be true and faithful to that. Does that describe you? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Really, what describes a lot of people is discouragement during the, during the ministry of the Monday. You get discouraged. You want to quit. You want to throw in the towel. And a lot of times people do. But it's biblical, the ministry of the mundane. It really is. Over in the Old Testament, over in uh, Joshua, uh, we find in Joshua chapter 6 the story of 
where Joshua takes the children of Israel. And God tells them, says, look, you're going to have Jericho. And the warriors, man, they're excited. Let's go, man. We're ready. Let's go get it. Let's, let's get the job done. Moses is dead. Let's go take Jericho. And Joshua says, wait a minute. <laughs> we're going to go, but we're not going to go like you think we're going to go. We're not going to go kick the gate in. As a matter of fact, put up your swords and your weapons and get out the trumpets. Well, I know we've got to have the trumpets to blow the trumpets so they'll know that we're, that we're coming, that this is a war. He said, no, that's, that, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. You see, God told us, or told me, to share with you guys that God, what God wants us to do is he wants us to go to Jericho, and for six days, we're going to march around Jericho one time for six days. And, and, and can you imagine the look on the children of Israel's face? You want us to do what? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to blow the trumpet, we're going to walk around. We're going we're gonna to blow a trumpet and walk? Yes. And then on the seventh day, what we're going to do is we're going to walk around seven times. And then on the seventh time when we're done, we're going to blow the trumpet. And, uh, and then the walls are going to come down. We're going to what? Yeah, we start tomorrow. Everybody get ready. Good night. And off he goes. And the next day, day one, everybody gets up and says, Okay, we got a new leader. We think he's lost his mind, but we're going to do it. And march around one time. After they're done, he goes, okay, we're finished. Everybody go back to their place. Go back, relax, we'll see you tomorrow. Day two, same thing. Day three, same thing. Can you imagine on day four as they get up and they get in line to march around, one says to the other, surely somebody says, can you believe we're doing this? And as they march around, they start getting discouraged. We are doing this. Why are we wasting our time? We serve the I Am. He could call down fire from heaven, annihilate them. He has given us the power. We can come in that place and just destroy it and take the land that he's given to us. And God says, no, keep walking. The ministry of the mundane. Keep walking. See, some of you are waiting for the walls to come down, but you're only on day four. Some of you want the walls to come down, but you're only on day five. You see, the walls didn't come down until they did exactly what God said. Right. And could it be that the walls didn't fall down in your life and the walls hadn't fall, fell down in your situation because you keep trying to do it your way and you're in this ministry of the mundane and God's going to keep you walking. He's going to keep you walking until you realize that he's going to have his way and by the time day seven comes and you surrender and the trumpet sounds and you shout whether or not you're angry or not, you just say, ah, and the walls come down and there's a great movement of God. There's some truth to the ministry of the mundane. The question is, are you going to be faithful in it? Are you going to be faithful when things aren't going the way you think they need to go? Are you going to be faithful when things aren't going the way you want them to go? The Bible tells us here in the text that these believers were faithful. They were faithful in their activity and they were faithful in their attendance. Could I challenge you, dear brother and sister in Christ? I want to challenge you. And this with you listening, you listening by way of uh, the internet here today. For some reason, you can't be here. You sick, got sick kids. I'm so thankful you're watching. God bless you. We're glad you're here. But just because you're not getting your way yet, don't give up on God. Don't give up on church. Keep being faithful. Be faithful in your activity. That is, keep praying, 
Keep asking God and be faithful in your attendance. Keep coming to church. Number two, the second thing he says here, not only do we see the faithfulness of believers, but we also see, number two, the filling of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit. Now, don't miss this. Because here there have been a lot of doctrinal pressures here. A lot of doctrinal, uh, what do you call it? Man, people just running off all over the place doctrinally and theologically at this section. But in verses number 2 through 4, we see the filling of the Spirit. Now, it's important to mark a couple of things. And I want you to get your pens out. I hope you'll do this. Verse 3, I want you to see this passage of Scripture here where it says there in the text. Excuse me, let me start in verse 2. In verse 2, I'd like for you to underline that word sound. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty, ru- a, a mighty wind, a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. All right, there's number one. Number two, the second thing I want you to see there by way of just marking in your Bibles is this next term, like as a fire. Like as a fire. You see it there? Notice what the Bible says in verse 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire that sat upon each of them. I would underline that. Why? It's vitally important. It's vitally, I'll talk about it here in just a minute. And then number the next one, number 3. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I'd underline that word filled there. All right? So why'd you have us underline that? Because I want to point out a few things. Uh, number one, the first thing I want to point out is and as they were faithful to God and God's presence was upon them, that God was there in the midst of them where God is. God's everywhere. You believe God's everywhere? He's in this place? He's right here today? The Bible says there suddenly came a sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were. The sound came. They, they didn't see it, but they heard it. And really what we can take away from that is, watch this, we can take away from that something very important. I'll point it out here in just a second. But when you, when you hear God's voice speak, there is no doubt he's speaking. You know exactly what he's saying. And then he says in verse number 3, Then it appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. That word like or as, that tells us that this is a simile. Don't read into Scripture what's not in Scripture. He, Luke is doing everything that he can, brother. He's doing everything that he can to tell these people, This is what I see. It looked like fire was resting upon them. And man, if you've ever been filled with Jesus Christ, I'm telling you what, there's a holy boldness there that you didn't have before. And you say things you didn't know you were going to say in regards to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't say you're going to speak gibberish. You know exactly what you're going to say. Why? Because he gives you that boldness. He's describing here an, an appearance, if you would, of that. And then watch this. Then he goes in verse 4, and they are all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, that word filled there is in direct uh, contrast to a word that he used in chapter 1. Look at it in verse number 5. Look at verse 5 of chapter 1. He says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And then he talks about the filling of the Spirit. This is fascinating. Because when you look at this, there's two things in this text that you can't ignore, and you better understand what they mean, or you'll fly off in left field somewhere, and you'll be speaking pig Latin to somebody in somewhere else, and they won't have a word, understand a word you're saying, look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. 
So you've got to understand what he's saying here. Number one, the first thing I want you to see is I want you to see the Spirit baptized. The Spirit baptized. Warren Wiersbe does an excellent job in describing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's in such that I feel like we, we've, got to, we've got to clearly understand what this means. In fact, the word baptized has two meanings. It's an act that is done that carries two meanings. There is, first of all, a literal act or a literal meaning to this act. The literal act of baptism means to submerge, to go under and to come back up, baptize. It's the Greek word baptizo. And then there is, a, there is another act by which definition it comes, and that is a literal or a figurative act. A figurative act. Now this figurative act carries the definition, listen to this, it's the second definition of the term baptize or baptizo. It means to be identified with. Now listen to this statement. I want to make sure you clearly understand it. The baptism of the Spirit is that act of God by which He identified believers with the exalted head of the church, Jesus Christ, and formed the spiritual body of Christ on earth. 1 Corinthians, we studied it not too long ago, chapter 12, verse 12 through verse 14 says, You have been baptized into one body. He's referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the question everybody has. Well, when did I get baptized by the Holy Spirit? When did I get baptized by the Holy Spirit? The day you got saved. The day you got saved. Because, watch this. Nowhere else in Scripture does it ever say again. Nowhere in the New Testament does it ever say again that you need to have a second baptism. You're baptized one time in Scripture. And this is what he's referring to. In the first century church, this act was done simultaneously with the filling of the Spirit. So being baptized and filled simultaneously, historically, one baptism... One filling, but watch this. Not only do you see in this text the Spirit baptized, you also see the Spirit filled. The Spirit filled. What's he talking about, the Spirit filled? He's talking about the filling of God, filling you up, and we see this done multiple times. The baptism of the, of the Spirit only happens one time. The filling of the Spirit happens many times. Man, I asked for God to fill me as I preached this at the 815. Uh, I came to the 930, asked God to fill me again. And then I come to you today, asking God to fill me again. The filling of the Spirit of God. And this filling has to take place because we live in a dirty world. We, we're saved. We're secure. But we still live in a sinful world. You don't believe me, then let's you and me take a ride and let's get on the 285 loop around Atlanta and let's just see how long we can ride around that thing before either me or you don't get mad. I told you that story about what I did on 285 one day, didn't I? I mean, traffic was bad. I was so aggravated. I just, man, I was so aggravated. I, and I just wanted somebody, look. 
I'm a Christian. I'm convicted. If I, if I tell somebody they're number one by shooting them a bird, I get under conviction. I, don't, I can't do that anymore. I'm saved. The Holy Spirit lives inside me. won't let me do that and get away with it. won't let me do that. But bless God, I think I can justify myself by yelling at them. Yeah, I know you're laughing because you do the same thing. Get out of the way! Good night. Did you see that? Did you get out of the way? Can you believe that? My wife says, honey, calm down. You want me to drive? No, I don't want you to drive. I'm fine. <laughs> we live in a sinful world. And we, and so I'm going around 285, and uh, the phone rings one day. This is before when you could answer the phone. This is many years ago. And it's one of them collectors that's looking for one of your family members. Anybody else ever get them calls? Don't raise your hand. You'll get in trouble with your family member. All right, so they look for one of my family members. And, man, I just wait. Man, I was looking for somebody to chew out. I mean somebody. Somebody wanted to get them. And then I answered the phone. Hello. You know so and so. Yeah, I know who so and so is. Uh, he, he's your—he's my brother. Well, he owes. You know, and then he'd start get oh, and can want to find him and all this stuff. And then, and so I said, "Well, I'm gonna tell you right now." And I did that voice right there. I started acting like you know the line had static in it. And I hung up the phone and threw it down. Get out of the way! And then the phone rings again. I reach over. It's a different number. I answer it. And the guy, the guy on the other end says, Do you think I'm that stupid? <laughs> he died. He called me back. That's when the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of me. And uh, I, I had to make confession. And I said, Dear friend, I just want to apologize. Number one, I, I live in Georgia. And I'm in Atlanta. And I'm on 285. And I'm just frustrated. I apologize. And I said, number two, I'm a Christian. And I should not have, I shouldn't have treated you the way that, that I did. I, I want to, will you forgive me? And he says on the other end, just dead silence. He said, sir? I said, yes, sir. He said, I got a confession to make too. I said, what? He said, I'm a Christian too. And I was calling you back to chew you out for hanging up on me and doing what you did. Now I can't. Will you forgive me? I said, yeah, I forgive you. Uh, probably what we need to do is just pray for each other. I need to pray for you. You've got a hard job, and you need to pray for me that, that, that I don't lose it anymore. And, and just prayed. For, I prayed for him right there on the phone. Prayed for him and hung it up. But we live in a sin-sick world. Man, we, we're going to get dirty. I, I relate it to like a, you know, a 12- and 13-year-old boy. You ever had a 12 or 13-year-old boy live in your house? And ask him, when, when is the last time you had a bath, son? <laughs> and, and he goes, Tuesday? <laughs> so probably, go get in the bath, go get in the shower. And he goes and takes a shower, he comes out, smells his peach clean, it's wonderful. Uh, but he needed to clean up. Same thing as, as Christians living in this world. We live in a sin-sick world. We get dirty. And we need to get clean. How do you get clean? You get clean by being filled with the Spirit. And so how do you get filled with the Spirit? You continue to be faithful to the Lord. Don't let your current situation dictate your joy. You've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You don't have to be downcast, oh my soul. We have victory. 
The victory was won on Calvary. Yes. Don't let this world suck you dry. I'm telling you what, it will suck you dry today. And in regards to the Spirit, the Spirit being filled, when we look at this passage of Scripture, we see this filling of the Spirit of God affected these disciples. It affected them in three ways. You saw it. I just pointed out a few minutes ago. Number one, it affected their hearing. When you're faithful to God and when you're full of the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about when God is present in your life, we want to be careful what goes in these things right here. Have you ever noticed that? That when you're right with God and you love God and when you're walking with God, you want to listen to good music. But bless God, when you don't have your quiet time, when you don't have your prayer time, when you've skipped out on church because you're frustrated and you're not uh, being faithful to the Lord and you're letting your situation dictate your joy and your gloom, despair, and agony on me, you're hee-hawing it here and there and everywhere and all over everybody. And you walk out on church, you walk out on your friends, you walk out on... And you're not faithful, you're not faithful. What do you want to listen to? Not the things of God. You tune it on over there to... In my case, you want to tune over there to 103.7. Listen to some of that 80s music. When music, you could actually understand the words that were coming out of people's mouths. And not today. I mean, look, people want to listen to all kind of trash. Am I telling the truth? It, when you get filled full of the, of the Spirit of God, it'll affect your hearing. The Bible says they heard the sound before it ever penetrated their lives. They heard it. I had a, I had a, a teacher in high school. Uh, she was always, we'd, we'd always get all upset about it. She's always talking about, be careful what you let in your ear gates. And, and here's the thing, the older I got, the more I realized Miss Logan was right. These are ear gates. And what you let in those ear gates will bounce around in that head, and what it bounces around that head will end up in your heart. Hey. So you better sure, be sure that what goes in these ear gates is holy and acceptable to the Lord. Right. It affected their hearing. Number two, it also affected, i got to hurry, it also not only affected their hearing, it affected their speech, or excuse me, their appearance. <laughs> Go ahead and put that third one up there because it affected that too. Uh, it affected their appearance. Look at verse number 3. The Bible says it looked like they had clothes of fire resting on their head. Again, Luke is trying to describe what he saw. He said, I'm telling you what, they were full of the Holy Spirit of God. They, they were such a holy boldness upon us. It was absolutely amazing. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, it'll change your appearance. Uh, we, we really... Uh, we're really suffering today in our culture. I mean, it, you can't do anything. I mean, look, every, you, you're profiling. There's big news about this. Profiling this individual and that individual and all this other jazz and all this stuff. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. You can tell when somebody's been with the Lord. You can tell when. You can tell. Hey. You can tell when somebody hadn't been with the Lord either. Hey. And the question is, have you been with the Lord? It'll affect your appearance. Number three, it also affects your speaking. Uh, there in the text, the Bible says that they spoke these languages. Now again, these are languages. These are different dialects that exist. And you want to know what the languages were? Verses 9, 10, and 11 tell us what these languages were. And a lot of people, David, listen to this. This is in the, it's right here in the text, brother. A lot of people want to know, well, what were they talking about? What, 
What were, what were they saying? It tells us in verse 11. Did you see it right there? It says, look right here. It says in verse number 11, We do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. It tells us exactly what they were saying. That they weren't speaking in gibberish. It's, they, they were talking about the wonderful works of God. What's the wonderful works of God? We saw him when he died. We saw him when he was buried. And we saw him when he rose up from the dead. We saw him go up into heaven and he's coming back. And the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. They heard the gospel. They heard the gospel. That's what they heard. And they said, man, we hear that it affected their speaking. They were bold in this. All right, so... What are you for following along with me? We're talking about this issue of being filled with the Spirit, okay? So we said there's three evidences. Evidence number one, faithfulness. Evidence number two, filled with the Spirit. Here's evidence number three. I gotta hurry, I'm running out of time. The third one is the flabbergasted world. The flabbergasted world. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, they're gonna look at you like you're crazy. Do you see what the scripture says? The Bible says they were confounded. That's a good, that's a good word. I, you ever been confounded? I'm so confounded at my yard right now. I don't know where that hole is. But it's obvious it's there. Where is it? It's leaking out somewhere. I'm going to be honest with you. When the world looks at you, they ought to be confounded because you're leaking out Jesus. Hey. Man. Woo Hang in there with me. We're almost done. He tells us here that this the world verses five through uh, five through thirteen, we see this flabbergasted world, and we see that it, it comes to light in in two areas. Notice the two areas it comes to light. Number one, in their reaction, the way the world reacts to you, if you're full of the Holy Spirit will be one of abs they'll be confounded in such a way that we see here that this reaction produced three things. What did it number one, the first thing it produced was amazement. You see it there in the text? Look at verse seven. He says there in verse number seven, and they were all amazed. Not not only does he stop, say it right there and stop again in verse 12. There it is again. And they were all amazed. They're confounded and amazed. Now what does the word amazed mean? This word amazed is a fascinating Greek word. It means to knock out a position. You ever had a vehicle that got knocked out of gear and it just went rolling? That's what it means, but it's talking about the mind. You ever had your mind knocked out of gear? That's what was happening here. They were like, what? What is going on here? They are amazed at what they're hearing and what they're seeing. But not only do you see it as amazement, the Bible also says that there's this marvel that's going on. They're marvel at this. What, what does the word marvel mean? The word marvel means to have an admiration for. They, they're admiring. Man, this is, this is incredible. And then he also says that some even doubted. That word doubt there means to be perplexed. You ever been perplexed? Uh, several years ago, uh, Becky's stepmom, we call her Granny Denny, came over to the house. Granny Denny came over to the house and... Uh, she was going to make a traditional uh, French supper for us. And uh, they'd been in France and, and all, and it's just going to be good. It was about that time when that movie that Disney made, Ratatouille, came out. 
Now, I know I probably didn't pronounce it right. My, and, and Becky, I don't know if you knew this or not, my mother-in-law grew up in France. And so uh, I butcher not only the English language but the French too. And so in regards to this, she, what do y'all want it to make? Well, we want the kids, we want to make ratatouille. Do y'all know that stuff's made from eggplant? It is. It's an eggplant dish. And so she made this traditional ratatouille. Sat it out. All the kids, man, we're excited. We're sitting there. We get our forks. We grab hands. We ask a blessing. We pray. And, and uh, by the way, let me just say this. French are real proud about their food and their dish. I mean, that's something that they're proud of. I mean, they like that. So here's this nice French ratatouille sitting in front of us. We've prayed and asked God to bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. We pick it up and we put it in our mouths and chew it up. And Granny Diddy made the hugest foo pas she could ever make. She asked one of the children, what do you think? Was it Garrett? Who was it? Who was it? It was one of the kids. And one of the kids turned and said, where's the ketchup? She was perplexed. <laughs> she could not believe it. I mean, this is, it was really, it was delicious. It was a great dish. But for a child, everything goes better with ketchup. And uh, the fact of the matter is, that caused her uh, to be perplexed. She was knocked out of her mind in amazement and doubt in regards to her reaction was that. Same thing is true when it comes to the Holy Spirit filling your life. Man, people be knocked out of gear like, man. But not only do you see it in their reaction, watch this, and I'm closing, this is it. We also see it in the questions. The questions. Did you notice the two questions, the primary questions that were asked here? The first question was, are these not Galileans? You know, you know what that means? Galileans? Ain't nothing good come out of that area. I mean, nothing's good come out of Galilee. I mean, look, over Nazareth area, nothing. The only the Messiah, according to the book of Joel. But in regards to this, they ask the question, are these not those dummies over there that live in Galilee? How are these individuals being used of God? Talking about the wonderful works of God. See, some of, some of us here, some of us are, are afraid that God can't use us because we think we're too dumb. Hey. you just a person God's looking for. Some of us think that we can't use by God because we, we, we don't know enough Bible. You're just the one God's looking for. Hey, remember, the Bible hadn't been completed yet. They're still working on the Scriptures. They're working on them. They've got the Old Testament. They've got the uh, prophets. They've got the Psalms. Working on the New Testament. This is changing everything. Are these not these dummies from Galilee? And then watch this. Do you see the second question? I'm done. Look at what he says in verse 12. He says there in the text, What meaneth this? What does this all mean? Right then and there, Peter takes his cue. And we'll look at this next week. But Peter listens to that reaction. And the Bible says Peter stood up. And he says, I'll tell you exactly what that means. Right. And he preaches his first message. And at the end of that message, remember, we started with 120. 
when the filling of the Spirit of God showed up and the ministry of the mundane finally broke through and the walls came down, there were people all over that place. So much so that the Bible doesn't say how many people were there, but the Bible says that 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ that day. All because they continued to be faithful to the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you feel like you're going through the ministry of the mundane? You're just going through the motions day after day after day after day. Can I give you this encouragement? Stay faithful to the Lord. You're going to have a breakthrough. And it's going to come when he's ready to break through. Number two. Could I just tell you this in regards to this issue of the filling of the Spirit of God? If you're a born-again child of God and there was ever a time in your life where you were closer to the Lord than you are right now, you probably need to be filled with the Spirit of God again. You know you're saved. You know you're going to heaven. You've trusted Christ as Savior. But look, there was a time in your life when you were more surrendered than you are today. What does that mean? That means that you need to come get full of the Holy Spirit. So how do I do that? 1 John 1, 9 says this, If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, He's faithful and just. To, if you'll confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Get clean before God. Take a, take a bath. Get full of the Holy Spirit. And then number three, you watch as the world turns their eyes to you and they say, Roger, there's something different about you. Chris, there's something different about you. Karen, there's something different about you. We know what that difference is. I'm full of the Spirit of God. Let's bow for prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask you a question, brothers and sisters. Like my front yard today, are you leaking? Are you leaking out Jesus? And as you do so, you need to get full of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never truly trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, right where you're sitting today. Could I ask you this question, ma'am? Sir, if you were to die today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? Do you know that for sure? <coughs> the Bible says you can know for sure, 1 John 5, 13. But my question to you is, do you know for sure? If you do not know for sure, then why not today give your heart and life to Jesus? Right where you're sitting, friend, would you cry out to the Lord and say something like this to him? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Messiah. And this morning I ask you, to forgive me of my sins and to save me. I will live for you in Jesus' name.